Break it down now. And so one of the things that you had mentioned in the sermon that I really liked is you talked about things that we do to cover up if we're struggling with something or our own brokenness and I believe the correlation you made is that you can be a really good weightlifter, you can be fantastic in the gym, you can be a CrossFit beast, but if you're still not dealing with a pain you're carrying, it can be just as destructive as a, as an opioid habit. Right. Well, um, yeah, in, in many ways. Essentially, you was looking at the fact that we can try and numb ourselves with really positive things, that society doesn't look at us and go, oh my gosh, that person's really fit. I bet they're really struggling with their own self-worth. Okay, maybe that one's not perfect because a lot because well, many, no, I mean, it's, it's many obsessions. People, yeah, but also like people getting eating disorders because right. they're not lean enough, or they're and that's people who are yeah gymnasts, crossfit guys, like people who are doing ridiculous oh, feats yeah. of strength and agility are struggling with body image. That's a great point. Right. Well, and and you know even if it's a something that can lead to better money or some other, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, sometimes we pick up a hobby that can make us extra money on the side. So we're not thinking about the fact that we haven't dealt with truly how we feel about something that happened as a child and it keeps coming up or we feel insignificant as a parent or as a friend. And so we push people away and then fill that space with watching 12 hours of Netflix yeah. or, you know, and stuff that we joke about, but now it's become enough like common uh, like common practices that you know, binge watching Netflix is a cultural saying. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one thing to do it on a Saturday when you got nothing else going on. It's another thing to avoid paying your bills um, or not talk to your significant other or forget to walk your dog because all you've done is watch Netflix. But yeah, you can do that positively. You know, you, what if you take up cookie cooking healthily mm-hmm. and then you obsess over that rather than deal with the the actual things in your life that are going on yeah absolutely and that's the you mentioned the fact that that idea of strength right we always right. have to be strong we always have to push through we can't break and and people's social media feeds being littered with things that on the surface can be affirming but if you really look at those people are, are Kind of subject to that influence, right? Of, you know, you're, you're uh, what's what's the one like? When the storm comes, you say you are the storm. It's like no, when the storm comes, you get help. Like, <laughs> or the the other one that it keeps driving me nuts is uh, depressed. Move the letters around, and it says I pressed on. Oh no! When you're suffering from clinical depression, I pressed on is not a thing, and not getting the help you need could. That's. Sometimes those are the places where suicide becomes a thought in your head rather than the help you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't like that one because it makes it sound like if you're having a, if you're having a, a, an issue with depression or anxiety, you're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. This... Which anxiety and depression are about like literal swelling of your brain in certain areas that like if it were on the outside, you go, what is wrong with your leg? Mm-hmm. But instead it's inside your skull. So it's probably, in, it, it's all in your mind. Yeah. I mean, well, we could, we could do an entire pod on things not to say to people when they're dealing with stuff because you don't think about it. You right. think you're doing them a favor, right? Yeah. Like, and people mean well. Yeah. Uh, but there's a common phrase that, uh, that I appreciate. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. 
<laughs> and by that I mean a lot of people who've done a lot of damage intending to be helpful. Um, so a lot of times we don't know how to say, listen, I feel for you. Instead we say, it all happens for a reason. Yeah. Which if your child died, if your best friend committed suicide, if, if something horrible, you get cancer and someone says it happened for a reason, some people that might be helpful because they go, oh, it's all in God's plan. But if you're not a person who is in that frame of mind, it could also sound like, what did I do to deserve God's wrath? Right. And that's very Old Testament, God. Like uh, Book of Job, I believe. And even still, like, in the end, in Job, God was like, you didn't do anything. Yeah. That's just... This is life. Sometimes you get the crappy end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, and But those are... Those are things. So let me be clear. If you are suffering from depression, if you are suffering, if, if you uh, feel suicidal, there are places that you can call. Um, there's a National Suicide Helpline. Um, we will have that. Look that up real quick um, and get that to you. Yeah, I'll put it. I, I think I can put it in the show notes. Great. We'll, uh, so we'll make sure you have that. You're not alone. Uh, a huge number of people uh, suffer from depression and they think they can just press on. And you don't have to do that by yourself. There are people who can help you. Um, which I think is a great point attuned to people. If you're not suffering from depression, great. But kind of reframing ourselves to be more non-toxic about how we interact and, and opening up that listening avenue because something I've, I will take to my grave is if you are good at listening, people will tell you what they need. They may not come out and literally say, so two years ago this thing happened, it's coming back and I need help, but you can you can key off of cues. People will ask for help in sometimes very non-obvious ways. Yeah. And that's part of this whole thing about creating space, helping other people create their space too and, and helping them with that if they don't know that that's an option or they're not comfortable with the idea of asking for help, how you broach that subject without insisting they need to stop, right? It's the the simple, I'm here, or let's pray together, let's talk, let me show you a thing, or let me, you know, there's there's inroads people ask for that are not salvation drivers. Like you don't, one, speaking of things that drive you nuts, one that I don't like is, you have a Jesus-shaped hole in your heart. Because mm. I think you'd die if you had a Jesus-shaped yes. hole. Yes, but that, that idea that taking it too literally. The only thing you're missing from being happy is Jesus, and it's like it's like on one hand, again, that sounds wonderful when you say it if you're coming from a place of love and care for someone. But meanwhile, like I don't think Jesus ever said you deserve to be depressed because yeah, or or I am the it. thing to fix you. Specifically, me, literally, not not the covenant, not the Holy Spirit, not the love of God. You know, that was, right. we, we lose this in translation a little bit where we think we're helping. I'll pray for you. I'm like, okay, but while you're praying for him, can you talk to him about what they need and then right. give them that in right. some way, you know? Well, and that's, yeah, and I, th- I think sometimes that kind of glosses over or implies that that the other person isn't good enough. They're not mm, because yeah. they're not faithful enough. That's what's wrong with them. Um, and, and what I would say is, is kind of turn that on its head a little bit and say, when we pursue the things in life that give us momentary happiness, 
and then go away rather than pursue the one who gives us complete and total acceptance for who we are we do get to this place where we kind of are trying to fill up an you know a black hole yeah um now that's not to say that and and the the part i don't like about telling someone what you just need jesus yeah (laughs) is that it never rarely is it this sense of i have such great compassion and love for you that the peace that I have found in God, I wish for you. And so often we get, I just wish people would stop and say, what do I mean? What, yeah. Whatever you're about to say, what do I mean? What do I, what do I want to say? And I've had this moment. It's been really helpful. I've looked at people and go, that sucks. I mean, like, what has happened to you is not okay. And I want to be here for you. And I stop there and I say, and that's it. That's all they need. And they go, oh. But a long time ago, I tried to figure out, like, okay, I'm the pastor here, so i got to figure out the right thing to say that brings them healing or helps them get closer to God. And in the end, rarely is someone, when they're sharing their worst parts of their life, expecting you to fix anything. Mm, I was just about to say that, that they were... They want to know that they're walking alongside someone else. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of things that, that are really beautiful in this world. Like, knowing that when you suffer someone cares someone loves you even if they have no clue what to do to help make it better reminds us that we're not alone yeah and it is that the thing you you totally touched on it is is the initial reaction to fix it i'm sad i'm hurt i'm this i'm that like well how can i help what can i do how can i fix like i need to make this right which comes from a place of love but also like is way out of your hands most of the time you can't erase right. 18 years of systemic abuse in a bad relationship you can't or yeah. any of these things that people happen they're, they're carrying with them still right like you can't do that so yeah like you said the best alternative is to, can i walk beside you can i right can i listen these these things that we think are little because they aren't yeah the society we've constructed right of People, the, the stories that inspire us are the ones where people persevered against odds. Right. Um, I did this thing and no one gave me a chance, but I showed them because now I'm here over this valley. Right. And But we, the parts that are on an editing floor are because of... Right, the bootstraps idea. Money. Yeah. Well, and we could get into a whole conversation yeah, about how people, how, how many of us who grew up in a healthy or healthy-ish Household or, or middle class or upper middle class household had opportunities um, that we don't even talk about, you know, like, and, and then we see other people and we worked our butts off, like, and that was me. I had a part time job um, from the time that I was 16 until I, I mean, I was on my own at 18 doing all my own stuff. But I also knew that if something went wrong with my car and I couldn't afford it, I could call my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And either he could fix it or he could help me figure out how to fix it. Um, and I had multiple people like that that I never had to fall all the way to rock bottom to get help on something. Um, which I think is what what happens when you try and be too strong all the time. Mm. Right? Like you don't allow yourself to be real. And so when you're struggling with um, overextending yourself financially or getting to this place where you are finding yourself having destructive thoughts about an intimate relationship or uh, you can't get rid of an addiction to pornography or 
you know, or, or maybe it is an obsession over something that was never an obsession before a year ago. Right. Um, not asking for help when it's in those early stages can lead us into this, um, well, and to go heading towards rock bottom mm-hmm. where we destroy relationships and we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. Um, it doesn't look so strong when you look back at it either. Right. It's just denial, right? Right. I don't have a problem. You're a problem. And then right. a year later, I really wish I hadn't said that thing that right. kicked off the spiral or whatever it is. Yeah, so that's, that's tough. And I guess that's, um, yeah, that's where you let us sit here at this wonderful table and fix the world's problems real quick. But, like, that is when and people being receptive to the suggestion that someone can walk with them, not even saying you need help. Right. Because that usually doesn't work, but even, yeah, they said that idea of I have to be strong, like people approaching you with that is also hard because you gotta let your guard down and vulnerability has been so frowned on in our existence for so long. Right. That when it does happen, it's usually this this moment in a TV show and then you look at it and go, oh, those actors, but like, right. When does the last time anyone was portrayed positively being a accessible, adorable, a well-adjusted, right. like, right. open to feedback instead of, this is my moment, I'm going to take over the game, the situation, whatever, right. like, I am the alpha male and therefore I will be spoken of in right. good terms as opposed to, no, I was a hot mess, but I didn't. Sure. Yeah, and that's you know that's and then back. I guess with that too, then we then we almost lift up the people who are finally able to say I have an addiction and they went to rehab as uh, these pariahs. So you should be like that. No. Not that that wasn't good. Yes, get the help you need. But waiting until it gets that bad to admit that the thing, things that you're pursuing are hurting you is is the problem. Like this, I have to be stronger. I have to be better. I have to push past that. Um, it, it'll never be enough. I have had throughout my life, and, and maybe you've experienced something like this, that kind of some of that, I mean, guys just give each other crap, even when yeah. they have every right to not. And so like, I remember, like even when I was in the army, I, you know, I, I did really well in the shooting range. There's always still someone better. And on top of that, it didn't matter if you were the best shooter, fighter, um, guy who can camo yourself up and sneak through the back of the woods and win the game or mm-hmm. you know or, or the best shot like in the end all it took was some guy going don't be a pansy except he didn't use the word pansy right to all of a sudden go i'm still not good enough well you didn't say that usually you punched him or did something else but that's a part of what it is is that culture that says like if i admit i'm not quite enough or, or when i am enough no one's going well done or they do well done but, but next time, and I think, and, and, and with the sermon, that, and that moment was when we seek that, and we continuously try and reach that level of perfection, which we can't, because you can't, there's no way. Someone can always set a higher example. We end up with, not with a Jesus-sized hole in our heart, we end up with an emptiness because what we're seeking will never give us acceptance, will never give us love, will never care if we get sick or allow us a day off 
or I mean you can pursue all the great things in life to such a toxic level that you have nothing left in the end and we do it in tiny ways by giving up important parts of our life to do it but when we seek God I mean it's the complete opposite you know when when we're exhausted Jesus showed us we need to take a day off I mean literally he left his disciples sent them off on a trip and then went by himself and, and Luke tells us he often did this maybe that's Matthew but he only had three years of ministry to save the world so old boy still said take a day off <laughs> you know when the world says you're not strong enough Jesus talked to Paul and Paul said you know or, and, and Paul said God gave me this thorn in my side so that I would consistently be drawn back to God knowing that I wasn't going to be strong enough to handle it aka Paul had a sin he couldn't get away from and instead of him seeing it as a weakness, he saw it as a way that drew him closer and brought him back to God. Our brokenness should draw us to the one who made us, not give us another thing to numb ourselves with. Um, and I think, I mean, that was kind of the point. Like, who are we seeking? Mm-hmm. Are we seeking our own approval? Perfection? Um, the, it's trying to fill the, the bucket with holes in the bottom? Or... Are we relying on the one who's looked at us and said, you're worth dying for? In fact, I put you together. I made you that way. Uh, we could do a whole other one on body shaming and oh, yeah. self-hatred and all that jam. Which maybe someday we'll get there. Right. I mean, what do we call It's no longer body shame when you get to our age. It's the dad bod, right? Yeah, like, then it's just, <clears throat> yeah, body truth. Right. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're not wrong there. These pants you should be looser, you yeah. know? But, Someone uh, keeps shrinking my pants. You're doing your own laundry. <laughs> yes. Uh, so in the sermon, speaking of that and and trying to fill that that emptiness, you had done a correlation with David of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. faithful kid into wise king into really went off the rails pretty hard at a point in his life then came back around to, to some forgiveness yeah deep sincere after things had bottomed out I believe you'll, you'll know better than I do believe there's a part where he's like running through the forest knowing that people are coming to kill him and then he's like kind of has a, a literal come to God moment yeah and then like his best friend sacrifices his life uh, for him and yeah there's a whole bunch of really interesting passages about David if uh by the way, if you think the Bible is boring, you need to read it more often. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. There's definitely some and so and so begat so and so, and they begat so and so and so and so. Yes, and skip that part. Other than knowing, every time you read a list of names, it means somewhere God knows your name, has it written down. But skip it. Um, yes. So. But this idea of David and talking about filling this void with the thing is this idea that I was thinking about when you were talking is having faith is awesome, but being vigilant is the best word I could come up with that when you put your faith, when your faith comes head to head with culture or fame, how many times have we seen people's faith crumble even if they came from a place of like earnest legitimate i am a follower of christ i got right. famous so i could help talk about christ and then i got famous and i got comfortable being famous and now right. i'm really big fan of being famous and we could go people who 
evangelize on TV. We could right. make the list of people who have sure. fallen greatly, people who run giant successful churches, and then a year later, like, well, they also enjoyed touching congregants against their permission. Like, or with their permission. With their permission, but even, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we can, and, and I know this because people will never hesitate to throw that on a social media platform. This person loved Jesus right. until they were doing very right. not Jesus things, and people revel in it. Well, the remarkable thing about so I'm, yes, I'm with you. Yeah. What happens when we fall from grace? Yeah, and the reality is we're all going to all every single one of us. The problem is that somehow along, sometimes we can get caught up in our own righteousness, um, and it becomes instead of the righteousness of like God, which is being in right relationship with God. That's what righteousness means. Not hotty toddy, hoity toity. I'm the best person, and look, you should be like me because I can pray publicly and make people think I'm cool. But the I love God. I'm following God as closely as possible. And to me, David is a great example of that because he falls. I mean, he falls hard. He has uh, an extramarital affair. He then has the guy killed because he's the king. He can do what he wants. But not before trying to trick him into having sex with his wife so that, like, hey, maybe the baby just came early. Uh, you know, don't count the days on this one. Yeah. Um, which we don't even talk about how destructive it is that... The relationship with Bathsheba was, as far as we can tell, non-consensual. And so there's some really jacked up stuff that people do. And that's not okay. And by people, I mean all of us are going to do something. And I've seen this, uh, that people, we can get to the point where we get really kind of um, patting ourselves on the back because we didn't murder anyone, we didn't cheat on anyone, we didn't rape anyone, we didn't do anything like this. But... We're really good. We don't mind getting in there and sharing some gossip. Mm-hmm. Where, man, sometimes in a small town or in, a, in an office environment, sharing a piece of gossip that is not true or maybe taking something that is true out of context can damage someone's reputation to the point where they have to find another job. They need to leave town. Uh, especially if you're talking like running a small business in a town where it can, it can be suspicion, not truth that can destroy someone's reputation. And that can do more damage than, say, running over their dog and not telling them about it, which is, I would say, is a great sin as well. But um, yeah, it's about, uh, I used this term before, now that we've talked about it on this platform, but the socially acceptable sins that, oh, everybody does it. Everybody throws some shade right. on a social media platform, so if everybody's doing it, it's okay in this group mentality of protecting ourselves in these little ways that we're constantly right I think in the sermon I was like you, you may always try and be like Jeff down the street who has his life somewhat figured out from the outside but you know you're better than Will down the other street who's a jerk yep <laughs> you know and we, yep, and, uh, so you uh, can figure out who I'm better than yep even when you're trying to be like someone else yeah I've uh, heard an interview once about that and this is kind of the speaking of fun things to read in the Bible the, the kind of magic of the parables. Mm-hmm. They draw you in and go, well, th- you know, the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, we can all stand there and go, well, I'm not like those two people who didn't know the law. Like, no, that's you in this story. You're not the Samaritan because you all talked smack about the Samaritan while he was picking up the guy out of the ditch and taking care of him. Right. You're the Levite. Like, and, and these little interplays of, uh, what was the one you had said, who... Who were the people keeping Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Tell that story. It's a great story. Yeah. I mean, if you think of it, so Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is a short guy. He's a tax collector, which were notoriously un, 
liked amongst the people. Uh, you might think of IRS auditor as a close second, although the tax collectors at that time took their money over what Rome took. So Rome essentially charged an amount, and then tax collectors decided how much they wanted to take on top of that for their pay. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector in this area, um, and he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus is coming to town. Zacchaeus is short as well. He comes up to the group. There's so many people around Jesus, listening to Jesus. He can't see Jesus, so he runs up, which running is kind of a, a cultural faux pas. A person of prestige, like Zacchaeus, or power, would not have ran. And so he runs over to a tree, climbs up in this tree, uh, and waits in the tree until Jesus walks underneath him. And then Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight. Um, this transforms Zacchaeus' life, and he begins to proclaim that he'll help and he'll give away a huge amount of money, uh, give half of everything he owns, and help the people if he cheated anyone by four times. And he'll help him four times over what he took. But the thing that you're alluding to is who kept Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus in the first place? It was not the unchristians. It wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the, the people who hate Jesus. It was his followers not paying attention to what was behind them. Or, a little more dark, <laughs> they knew exactly who was behind him, and they didn't want this jerk who kept taking their money to be any closer than he had to be to Jesus. Mm -hmm. We, we got to keep Jesus pure. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, hit that nail right on the head. Like, how many times, and we... We can say, well, that was then, and we. But how many times do we do that, where we decide where Jesus goes, and we decide, well, I'm going to tell this person about Jesus because I get the vibe they're like me. We play this home field advantage. Right. People who look like us, sound like us, think like us—that's our tribe. Somewhat counterintuitive to everything Jesus said about love your neighbor, well, but we, pray for your enemy until they become your neighbor. Right. <laughs> I mean, what we will be. We have a tendency to do, all people, not just Christians, is uh, we appreciate people acting and living by the rules that are unwritten but known, mm. right? The cultural rules. Typically in the Midwest, you're polite, you don't say swear words, you don't, I mean, and even if you say them, you don't say them in a public place where a child could hear, where grandma could hear, and um, which is funny because if you think about it, Cursing isn't a new thing, so <laughs> somebody who's uh, in their 80s has said it already, especially. Yeah, yeah anyway. Um, but where was it going with that? Uh oh, concussion moment. Oh, sorry, Midwest polite, so we gravitate towards the people who are. Yeah, so we graduate our... to people who kind of follow our own rules, but then we don't realize how those rules sometimes can hinder us, like being kind or polite or welcoming to others. So since most mid, uh, white Midwesterners were, were fairly quiet, you know, we go into a place and, and there's a loud group of people from a different culture and uh, it's bothersome to us. Uh, never mind if you talk to those folks, it's creepy that we don't talk loud enough to engage in. I mean, like there are, there are it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, and it's a true real thing. But then when we live by those in such a way that we shun people who enter into those communities, um, and, and I've seen even even people who may look like you, but they wear short shorts or um, they dress differently or and sometimes we play it off as like a playful thing, but it doesn't feel that playful when you hear the eighth person say, mm. those pants are too bright. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, we're both <laughs> laughing because 
that that was kind of aimed at me. I have a pair of amazing yellow chinos that are slightly brighter than the sun. They they are so cool. <laughs> um, personally, I I love them. Um, they're brighter than banana. In case you're like trying to figure out in your head, uh, not quite highlighter yellow. Yeah, but, but they're definitely brighter than a banana. Yeah, yeah. So and and the kids the kids love them. Like the little kids are like, Ed wears the coolest pants. <laughs> Uh, but some of but that's harder for some of us, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily wear the yellow pants unless someone. Uh, I might yeah. as a gimmick. Sure, I, it's not it's not the thing that I appreciate. I love that because I've lived in all sorts of different places, um, all over, all over this general area of the Midwest, um, and I've seen and I, I like it when people just live themselves. You know, like I love it when I see someone with blue or purple hair or who have. Um, you know, and no, I'm not dyeing my beard purple or blue, but um, I I find that freedom um, intriguing and wonderful when people feel they can be themselves. Um, but, you know, you're being too loud here or you're being too quiet or we don't like the way you dress. And, you know, I also think about this. Sometimes this is just a culture, uh, uh, like situational difference. Because when I was in high school, I'm, I'm a little younger than Ed, but not by too much. Um, nobody wore high-waisted pants and had their midriff showing. At mm-hmm. least that was so, so. Like, but now, like my like the thing in the middle school and the high school are these uh, high-waisted pants and then crop tops where there's belly showing. Well, that was one of the things that was against the rules when I was in high school. But we had a lot more low-rise jeans where um, where you could see some booty cheeks sometimes. Um, and then guys sagging their pants down about yeah. the same level or lower, <clears throat> just with boxer shorts hanging out the top. And mm-hmm. um, and then there was – it just was different. But if I think about, like, that cultural difference of those 20 years um, and, and what we see, and that they keep circling back around, causes us to kind of sometimes make rules like, you're not old enough to be here yet. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Um, and that's – or you're not cool enough on the other side because I've oh, seen you know yeah. we get too many young folks together and we forget that our parents and grandparents have a lot of wisdom that we need uh, based off of their life experience and so we can do that too on the younger side. I say we like we're the younger ones. Yeah, um, us. The <clears throat> although I mean, hey, if you've made it to ninety three, um, <laughs> you've more than doubled my life. But absolutely, and dads. Uh, yeah, um, one of the things that we spoke about that I want to kind of bring in here is you had made a great observation about this thing we can read in the Bible literally says, ask and it shall be given to you. Search and you will find. Search and you will find. Uh, knock a door, it will be opened. And how, speaking of cultural changes, once upon a time we saw that as a seek God in places and God will reveal himself and now there's this whole offshoot of a form of worship experience where this was literally taken as a if you pray hard enough right wealth success status sure. it's, it's the Tony Robbins Healing. idea but it's like this whole right. the secret to unlocking all of your potential is in how you pray and I can show you how to do that for yeah a nominal fee really you know and instead of this Idea when I was growing up, you heard that and you said that okay, that means God is everywhere. If you're looking, right? Even in even in stress or tough times, you have these windows and avenues 
Right. It's like that, uh, yeah, and, and you see it in its most destructive form is if you pray hard enough, you'll get that thing you want. Right. God will give it to you. Healing, cancer-free, money, etc. And therefore, anyone who doesn't have anything is not a prayerful or a faithful person no matter how much they pray. And so you get to this like uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of, I know how people are righteous when they do well. Mm-hmm. And then we get to this weird place that, like, all of a sudden now, that means that wealthy, intelligent, lucky—I'm saying lucky on health-wise, because like, yeah, I mean, you can. There's something that's gonna get us, right? We're yeah. all we all end up in the same ground at some point, or scattered throughout the air, or however you're gonna do your burial process. But the damage too is that, like, that that maybe. If it is all about how much we pray or praying the right way and, and God will give it that to us, then it gives us this kind of self-smugness from like, guess that means the poor people, quote, deserve it. Right. Or they Earn their faith it. is not what it ought to be. And then if they it, were faithful, they wouldn't have this problem. Right. And, and, and that's the opposite of what Jesus did. Yeah. I mean, he consistently went to the poor, the hungry, and he pointed out all the time how those who have and have an excess have really got to get their stuff together because having a huge amount of wealth and not caring for other people is one of the more dangerous of things that he warned people about. Yeah, and it's it's fun too. Um, fun might not be the right word, but interesting because in that idea, uh, famous people with money have been contributing to relieving the wildfires in Australia. Mm-hmm. And one of the people was Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon. I think he sent a donation of like $650,000 mm-hmm. and immediately got vilified all over media platform because it was such a small fraction of his total net worth that people right. decided he didn't give enough and so therefore he is a bad person. Right. Even though I ran the math on what that would be if I was writing that check mm-hmm. and it's like almost 20 years of me saving to make that oh. happen. Like, so if you look at, but but we can throw, we can hate on him because he has way more that he's not giving. Right. As opposed to $650,000 right. can do some good. And yeah. it's far more than I could swing. Yeah. I mean, even now, I mean, this is just not good or bad, but I have contributed exactly $0 to the plight of the Australians wildfire. Right. I have sowed no koala mittens. I have done nothing to contribute carrots and potatoes to animals right. trapped in the brush. Like, I've done zero. Yeah. So I'm not going to throw shade at a guy who did this <laughs> impressive sum of money. Good money. And yeah. other people may have contributed more or less, yeah. but you see this happen. It, it kind of comes around in natural disasters yeah. a lot where we, we, we have to measure. Right. Instead of just good is good, not yeah. good is not good. Yeah. yeah. So it's it is that perspective of like you said like well I guess it comes back to it mentioned before like having money is not a bad thing. Right. Being like responsible stewardship is kind of the what we're pushing here is that's you know. Yeah, it's the classic Spider-Man quote. Yeah. Uh, too much is given, much is expected. Yes. Or what well, you probably know the quote better. Well, than it's me. with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, right, right. With yes, great, of course, power. I know. With Good stuff. I think we are at the point where we're gonna put a bow on this. But before we go, this is going to come out on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So while we've been talking about this, having compassion for people and 
making sure that we can find the space to just listen and walk with our neighbors. I think this is a great day to bring that up because this yeah. is kind of the heart of the remembrance of the day is the fact that this was a man who was fighting for justice right. and that we can at least honor that memory. Not, I would say if you get a chance, go find the speech and listen to it because it is inspiring still. But instead of just posting a meme, even if you agree with it, right. like take that minute to listen to someone. And, and let's be clear, we, the fight is not over for racial justice. There are still a lot of different areas that aren't fair and aren't right and aren't just and aren't okay. Um, we both are people of privilege and we have to accept that. And, and everyone has some privilege, don't get me wrong. But to pretend that we all start on an equal footing is not true. Um, I, I would highly recommend listening to the I Have a Dream speech, but also uh, looking at reading some of the letters from Birmingham jail, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and finding out that Martin Luther King Jr. was hearing from other pastors that, that he just basically needed to chill out and that he was, his, the, the fight for justice and would eventually happen if he would just be more polite and kind. Most of their critique of him was not that what he was doing was bad or evil. It's just that he was messing with too many people's comfort. Which? Which we all need to be reminded that we are too dang comfortable with the fact that there is racism and hatred and anger and destruction and sexism and homophobia. And we could keep on going for days with all the different ways in which we, as a people, don't recognize everyone as having the same worth. Beloved children of God, loved no matter what, doesn't matter what color of skin you have, just we're not done yet. And so Martin Luther King Jr. And he is, is just one of those days where we should remember this again and remember that the answer is not just a Facebook meme, right. um, but also pointing out that Racist jokes and hateful things are not okay. Um, and that's just a tiny piece of recognizing that in some places it's not safe to be black or Hispanic. And that's not okay. We live in a country that has now <laughs> been established for hundreds of years. And we, and there's places that are not safe to just be yourself. And that's not, that's not okay. So uh, we're not doing this because we have it all figured out. Uh, when it comes to Martin Luther King Jr., when it comes to racism, we have our own work areas we, we will need to work on um, over here. But um, honoring Martin Luther King Jr., um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So you all have a blessed day. Um, and stay warm. If you're in our area here in Nebraska, it is freaking freezing. Um, stay safe. There's still ice patches out there. Uh, so drive as little as possible. Um, and uh, we'll catch you next week. We will. Have a wonderful day.